Please turn with me in your Bibles to our text this evening, which comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and, and verses 1 to 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verses 1 to 11. Please then hear with me the reading of God's Word. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun, thus far as a reading of God's Word. If any of you here are familiar with St. Augustine's confessions, you know that they bear some similarity to the book of Ecclesiastes. Both authors in those books are reflecting upon their past lives of sin. But both authors, as they do that, are not looking back on their former lives of sin with any gladness. Solomon, we know, as we said, recounts his, his his former moral failings in an attempt to show man, by his own experience, what pursuing things under the sun can get you, which is nothing lasting. It's all going to leave you wanting. And he, and he shows this to men under the sun in order that we might be driven back right, to the One who is able and capable of, of filling up what is lacking in the souls of men. Now Augustine comes out and tells us why he recounts his former life of sin in Confessions uh, Book 2. He says this, I intend to remind myself of my past foulness and carnal corruptions, not because I love them, but so that I may love You, my God. It is from love of Your love that I make the act of recollection. The recalling of my wicked ways is bitter in my memory, but I do it so that You may be sweet to me. 
A sweetness touched by no deception. A sweetness serene and content. Now, both men in their pursuits also tell us that as they were going from thing to thing to thing, they're, they're looking for something. Right? They're looking to achieve something. Augustine says, at one time in adolescence, I was burning to find satisfaction in hellish pleasures. He says, the single desire that dominated my search for delight was simply to love and to be loved. And Solomon, like Augustine, right, was looking for satisfaction, was he not? In many different things. In wisdom, in madness and folly. And here in our text today, in, in much pleasure. And yet, what we ought to see in, in the pursuit of these things by both of these men is something that is not just true of them, but something likewise that is true of us and true of all of humanity. And that is this, that, that everyone, right, all people long to have a soul that is satisfying. Right, all people are longing to have a, a soul that is at rest. Right, this is why people don't stay static. But they're constantly moving to one thing, to the next, and to the next, because they're, they're looking to find something to fill up their souls. But I also want us to see that there's a, a reason why people have the urge to do that. Right? There's a very good reason why people have the urge to do that. And Augustine, in the very first paragraph of Book 1 of Confessions, tells us why people are on this never-ending quest to find what they innately know is lacking. And he, his conclusion that he comes to is this. That Thou hast made us for Thyself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in Thee. And that's what he concludes. My people are on this never-ending search. He says, Thou hast made us for Thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in Thee. You see, brothers and sisters, we have been made for something. And we have been made for someone. And apart from Him, absent from Him, all people will feel the restlessness of their soul. Right? Because humanity's problem is this, is that they, they live their lives for themselves when God created them to live their lives for Him. Right? People live their lives worshiping themselves when God created them to worship Him. Right? People worshiping and serving themselves and looking for satisfaction for their soul and things under the sun so that they might live more for themselves will never end with the result that this world is looking for. You see, it is only when you find God through Christ and that you live in Him and through Him and to Him that man's soul will be at rest. Because only then will you live as God intended and created you for. Now what we see though is that Solomon yet has, has not learned this lesson. Even after he, he pursued wisdom with all his might, he pursued wisdom to see if he could find happiness and satisfaction for his soul in it. And even after concluding that it was all vanity, he goes on to look for that happiness and contentment in something else. Right? He says, if, if I can't find it in wisdom... I'm not going to give up the search. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm just going to direct my attention elsewhere. 
And so if I can't find it in wisdom, I'll try it in pleasures. Right? If, if, if the accumulation of wisdom is of no advantage to me, then let me try the accumulation of delights. But what we will see in our text today is that both end with the same results. Look with me, please, at verse 1 once more. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. This leads us to our, our first point this evening then, which will be Solomon's test. Right? Solomon's test. Right? What Solomon here sets out to do is to conduct a test through his own experience. Right? He's conducting a test through his experience to see if his pursuit in sinful pleasures will bring contentment and happiness and rest to his soul. And so he went after many different things to test this theory. And we really have what I broke, have broken down to really six, six things that, he's, that he went after. The first is laughter. We see that in verse 2. I said of my laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? The next one we see is wine in verse 3. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. The next we'll call works. Of this category, there is many. In verses 4 to 6, I made great works. He says he built houses, planted vineyards. He made gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. And he made uh, pools from which to water his growing trees. Next, we'll call possessions. In verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. He says in verse 8, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I also got singers, both men and women and many concubines, the delight of the sons of men. In the last sentence there, we see the final two. Right, the final two delights was music right, and sex. Right, those were the, the pleasures that um, Solomon went after. But now as we consider that list, what does that list consist of? That list consists of many things. Not everything, but, but many things that are lawful for us to enjoy. Right, this list is full of many lawful things that we can enjoy. For the sake of time, we're not going to be able to go through each thing on the list. But let's just take one for example. Right? Let's take laughter for an example. Right? Laughter is a wonderful gift, isn't it? Right? Laughter is a wonderful gift. When we laugh, oftentimes it expresses that, that joy that is in the heart of the believer, don't we? As you consider, sometimes you sit back and you, you think about your childhood and memories from it. Or now as an adult, you think back to to memories as, a, as an adult with your own family or with your spouse, oftentimes it causes you to, to chuckle and to laugh, doesn't it? It expresses that, that joy that is in someone's soul. But I ask, are all things laughing matters? No. But aren't there people in this world who try to make everything a laughing matter? They're like immature children who don't take anything seriously, right? But as we see those, those type of people, we, we see that there's a certain madness to that, isn't there? There's a certain, a certain folly because not all things are good to laugh at. Right? There are people who try to make everything a joke, who try to make everything a laugh. They do that even with sin, don't they? 
Right? When they get caught in their sin, instead of feeling shame and embarrassment, what do they try to do? They try to make it a, a laughing matter. They try to make light of their sin. They try to make it a joke. Or they use sin in vile jokes. Trying to do what? Produce laughter in others. And so we see both, both with laughter. Right? It can be used as a tool for lawful enjoyment, but it can also be used as a tool for really stupidity and sin, right? And that can be said of many of these things, of wine, of art, of, of Solomon's creativity to build, of music, of possessions, of, of physical intimacy, all the things that Solomon thrust himself into, into both producing and experiencing. And Solomon is king had everything at His disposal above and beyond what any of us could have ever imagined. And Solomon says it much himself in in verse 9 and 10. He says, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. And for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Right? We see that as king, that Solomon has at the disposal all the things of the world. Right? He was able to, to drink of the, of the cup's riches and pleasures to their fullness in an attempt to, to quench the thirst that he, that he needed to be quenched. But yet he found it still did not satisfy. Right? Solomon had this appetite that was never full, but a, a constant need we see to to fill it with new pleasures. But see the danger, brothers and sisters, in, in focusing all of our time and attention in, in things under the sun. Right? See how they will take your focus and your gaze away from heavenly things. That is what they will do. If you spend all of your time focused on things under the sun, do you know what you won't be focused on? Right? God. Right? In heavenly things. That He desires us to be focused on. And there's a a certain madness in thinking that I am able to control myself. And I am able to to balance these things. And I can have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. right? That I'm able to to walk up to that line and not cross it. right? See the danger in thinking that way. Because these pleasures that people seek after and pursue cannot add to your salvation one bit. But what they can do is help you to lose it. Right? They, can, they can help you to destroy your soul and lose your soul. Because just like with Solomon, right, once you cross that line into sin, what happens? Right, once you cross that line into sin, isn't it easier to become entangled in more sin? And more sin and more? And then before you know it, you're in this kind of downward spiral. And you just don't know how to get out of it. This is why Solomon, after making this list, stops and he reflects upon his prior life of sin. And his conclusion is that that prior life of sin was not worth it. It wasn't worth it to him. In verse 11 he says this. He says, Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He's saying to us all, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The the, the time that you lose is not worth it. 
Because everything that you find yourself going after and pursuing will never be enough. It will never be enough. Those things that you go after and you pursue likewise, the, the feeling that you get from, from getting them and attaining them will likewise never stay with you. It will fade away. It will not remain. But he's saying to us here, I've tried it all. I can tell you from experience the truth of, this, of these matters. So don't be tempted to do what I did. He's saying, don't be tempted to, to have what I have because these things can steal your heart away from the Lord. Right? That is what he is saying. And see how that can happen, brothers and sisters. Not just in sinful things, but also in lawful things. Right? Solomon obviously sinned with fornicating with all these concubines, right? But your heart can also be swept away by lawful things like music and laughter and wine and possessions when our hearts are given over to anything other than God. This leads us then to our second point this evening, which then is Solomon's issue. Solomon's issue. I think Solomon's issue, as we read this text together, is abundantly clear. It's abundantly clear why from the very beginning... Solomon's pursuit to find pleasure was going to be one that was destined to fail. In verse 1, what does he say? I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. In verse 3, I searched my heart to how to cheer my body with wine. In verse 4, I made great works. I built houses. In verse 5, I made for myself gardens. In verse 7, I had great possessions. In verse 8, I also gathered for myself silver and gold. In verse 10, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Do you guys also see what Solomon's issue was here? Has it become very clear to you what he is focused on throughout the entirety of these 11 verses? It is himself. Right? That is his issue. He is focused solely upon himself. I, 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 me, myself, and I. Right? Solomon's concerned about finding what makes him happy. He's concerned about finding what will please him and bring him joy and bring him happiness. But Solomon then describes for us in our text is what we might call hedonism. Hedonism. Right? Hedonism means the, the pursuit of pleasure. Right? The pursuit of, of self-indulgence. Hedonism is about making personal happiness one's chief end in life. And if you think about that, right, we live in a nation then of hedonists, don't we? Right? We live in a nation of hedonists. People are trying to make their own pleasure the, the chief goal of their lives. In our world today, what do usually people try to find it in? Money, possessions, sex. I think in many ways those are our three top things. But I want us to see that if the chief end in these things is pleasure, then these things, when you pursue them, will always leave you disappointed and empty. Right? These are gifts from God, but not to be sought in themselves. When we seek after these things, they are to be God-centered when we do it. We are to be God-centered. They are to be done with Him in mind. 
Right? Pleasing Him is the Christian's priority, not first pleasing ourselves. When we think then about money, when we think about possessions, when we think about sex, we are to ask, what does God say about these things? What does God say about them? What does God think about them? How does God want us to think about them? How does God want us to pursue them? How does God want us to enjoy them? People in the world today make these things their idols. And if you make these things your idols, you will never find true happiness in them. It's foolishness to seek your chief joy in life in creaturely created things. It's folly. It's foolishness. And if you just take one moment to think about the being of God, it would teach you why. Think about it. Before God ever brought into existence the material world, He was infinitely and perfectly happy in Himself. Before all things existed, God was infinitely and perfectly happy in Himself. Nothing created brought God any more happiness than He had already possessed. See then that earthly things are not necessary for you to be happy. Only the being of God is. Only the being of God is. This is something that Paul recognized, didn't he? In his letter to the Philippians. If you remember, as Paul writes that letter, he's imprisoned. He doesn't know what his end will be. But recall the great joy that he writes with as he pens that letter. In chapter 1, verse 3, He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. He's got joy in his heart as he's in prison and has nothing as he prays to God. Later he talks about those who were preaching Christ from envy. And in doing so, they were making his imprisonment more difficult. And his question that he asks then is, what then? And he answers, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's in prison, again with nothing, facing a, a harsher penalty, a stiffer sentence because of what these people are doing, despite Him. And what does He say? Still, because Christ is proclaimed, I will rejoice. Remember in chapter 4, verse 11, what does Paul say? That in every situation, he learned to be content. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. We see in the example of Paul then that his chief end in living was not himself, was it? No, Paul's chief end in living was the glory of God. Chief, his chief end in living was to exalt Christ and to proclaim Christ. Right? His desire was to live both body and soul for God, whether that meant life or death. And Paul was a man who once had it all, didn't he? At least carnally speaking. He was a man who had it all. But he was willing to abandon those selfish pursuits in order that he might gain Christ. And so I want us to see in the example of Solomon and in the example of of even Augustine and and in the example of Paul, God's power. See that God's power in the lives of, of those three men because they show us that, that sinful man makes pleasure the business of his life. 
Isn't that what each of them have taught us? We live for ourselves and pursue things for our own happiness. And these three men, especially Solomon, he shows to us how great men can have such wicked hearts. Right? These three men show us how, how great the moral perversity of man is, even when afforded with all these benefits that God gives to him. Right? Think of all the benefits that Solomon had, and still he sinned in this manner. Even think of, of Saul before he was Paul. Right? The great advantage he had of being a Jew even, and having the, the oracles of God, and having the gospel proclaimed to him, even in those types and in those shadows. But all of these men crave something else for a time. Right? They, they yearn for something else. But see then the power of God. See the power of God at work as He reclaims the hearts of these men for Himself. Right? These men were looking for things. They didn't know where to look or where to find it. But this is why Father sends Son into the world. Right? To take back the hearts of His people. Right? To reclaim the hearts of those whom He has chosen before the foundation of the world. To direct their eyes' gaze off of those idols that men pursue and back to the Lord. See then, brothers and sisters, the, the pity that God has on His people. See the pity He has that He, he pulls our hearts out from the bottomless abyss. Right? See the pity that He had on Solomon, pulling Solomon out of such wickedness. But also see this in our text that even godly men can depart. Even godly men can depart for a time. We can backslide. We can have seasons in which we indulge in, in sinful pleasures, but see God's love for you that He always returns your heart to Him. He always does. And as He does, see also in the life of Solomon how He, he draws you back now closer to Him as He causes you to recount your life of sin and then to dwell upon His mercies. And so you who love God here today, dwell upon the thoughts of your Savior when you're struggling right, with sin or temptation. Right? Because His very life was the antithesis of what we read in our text this, this evening, isn't it? Right? Christ didn't come concerned with, with I and me, did He? He did not come for His own sake. He came for yours and He came for mine. Right, he came as the, as the second Adam to restore our hearts to that true rest that we were meant to enjoy from the creation of the world that Adam lost. And so as we close, if you desire then, brothers and sisters, right, satisfaction for your soul, if, if satisfaction is lacking in you, look no further than God, whom can only be found through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because as Augustine said, Thou hast made us for Thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in Thee. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for such wise words this evening from Your servant Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words for the benefit of Your people. Lord, we pray that you would teach us through these words uh, the folly in pursuing pleasure to find true satisfaction and happiness and comfort in life. Lord, help us to see this now that we would not suffer the great consequences in our life of pursuing these things, wasting all of that time that we could be using 
to worship and to glorify and to live for You. And so, Father, we pray that You would help to open our eyes, uh, to, to, to make us wise to these things, to give us the strength and enable us to, to, like Paul, to be willing to lose all to gain Christ and to desire to use our body and soul uh, to honor our Lord here on earth. And so, Father, we come before You this evening asking all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.